right, we are back with our Western Conference party crashers. Just thinking about teams that can make the Western Conference finals that aren't necessarily the favorites. I think we right now perceive three favorites in the West of Utah and the two LA teams. Are there any teams outside of that that you could see crashing this party and making some noise this summer? I can go first. Um, so I, I did one, two, and three. So number one, I actually said Denver, just because of what they showed us last year um, in the bubble. Like if we get a semblance, maybe Jamal Murray's just a guy who has stones in the playoffs and, you know, we had playoff Rondo, maybe there's just playoff Jamal Murray. Um, like he was out of control last year. So um, I think him in the combo with Jokic, obviously Jokic is one of the best players in the NBA. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's likely, I don't think it's likely that any of these teams take down the LA teams, but I do like Denver's chances the best out of, um, you know, all of our options. Um, next, I'm going to say Phoenix. Now Phoenix, I would love to see make a run at it, at least get to like the Western conference finals. I think that would be an awesome story. You know, Chris Paul, ultimate winner um, in his, you know, he's just been, these last two years, you know, he's one year in OKC. They make the playoffs this year in Phoenix. You know, they're ranked above the two L.A. teams. So it totally speaks to who he is as a basketball player. Um, so I'd love to see them make a run. Um, and I, I do think it's possible. You know, it'll be Booker's first playoff experience, Aiden's first playoff experience. So, you know, really young core. But obviously the, the experience of Chris Paul um, is super valuable. Um, and then lastly, I will say Dallas, just because of the Luca factor. Um, and if, you know, if they can get hot, you know, if the role players can get hot, um, you know, I know we were kind of bashing KP and some of the role players earlier, but, um, you know, Luca pretty much single-handedly won a couple games against the Clippers last year. Um, we'll see what he can do in his, uh, you know, second playoff experience. Yeah, Robbie, think, you're not like the Dallas take. No, I, I guess you could have you could have seen me shaking my head pretty hard there, but I, I think I've I've slandered them enough. Uh, I I don't I just don't think they have what it takes, man. I mean, like unless you're unless you're getting good minutes from Dwight Powell's and Maxi Cleaver. Well, if they're going head to head against Utah, you like Utah easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I don't I don't even think that's close. I actually think Utah's pretty damn close to the LA teams. Um, the reason I, I wanted to talk about this uh, conversation is because I feel like a lot of people are saying it's the two LA teams, Jazz, Suns, and Nuggets. And I don't think anyone's talking about Portland. And I, I don't really see why not. Um, they're 21 and 14 right now. CJ's been out 90% of the year. Nurk's been out 90% of the year. Um, and Dame is just superhuman. Um like just the fact that he's he's putting them on his shoulders like this, and once those two guys come back, it's just I wouldn't want to see them in a playoff round. So I'm not sure why they're not being talked about. Um, I was able to watch that uh, that Steph Dame game a few nights ago, um, and Steph was out dueling him for three and a half quarters, and and just in my mind I was like, Dame is going to hit these big shots. He's got the best clutch numbers in the league every single year, and Dame time's a real thing. And it's just so fun to watch and I'm not counting them out. I guess that, that was kind of a cop out of an answer. I didn't really rank it, but 
I just wanted to bring them up. You just really wish that they would be fully healthy for one of these playoff runs. Cause CJ was balling at the start of the year. Like the way the form he was in combined with this like superhuman level of Dame we have, like I legitimately think that they could be Western conference title contenders. Yeah. But yeah, those that's guys what I was going to say. I don't think, yeah, but he's coming off a significant foot surgery injury. Um, you know, those are kind of tough to overcome. I was going to say that that's one of the biggest shames in this league is that we haven't seen, seen Lillard get to a finals. I think that for Portland though, them succeeding in the playoffs is about McCollum and the other guys. McCollum, as Robbie mentioned, or both of you mentioned before he got hurt, he was actually playing at a different level. He was playing as well or better than Dame. He was shooting ridiculous three-point percentages, was averaging six or seven assists a night. And all he said in an interview that during the offseason, he was looking at film saying, I keep taking these shots one or two steps inside the three-point line. Why don't I just convert all those to threes? And he has making them at the same clip. So I think it's about McCollum. It's just, it is a shame because Lillard, if you don't like Lillard, then, then you don't, you don't like the NBA is that he's shooting 60% in clutch time. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And it's just frustrating guys like Rocco who had no business being in the skills competition. Um, I don't, he hasn't added what people thought he would add to that team, but Robbie Portland was a team I was going to take too, just because you don't want to count out Lillard, but I don't know if they've gotten any better. I mean, I love Gary Trent Jr. And I think he needs to get even more minutes, but I don't know if they've gotten any better. And I think they're another first or second round exit. But wasn't Nurk missed a lot of time in the playoffs last year, no? Yeah, he was back at the end, but I don't think he was healthy. And McComb also wasn't healthy. He had the back problem. I, and I want them to be good. I just don't know if I see it. I think that's fair. I think also last year they, with all the injuries in the regular season, they were – fighting like hell in the bubble just to get in. Uh, so I think, you know, they kind of shot their load a little bit and then had to face the Lakers. But um, I'm not saying they're, they're the third best team in the West by any means. I just think they're flying under the radar and they're seven games over 500 right, right now with, with only room to grow. And I just fucking love Dan a lot. <laughs> I, I, I do think that even – even with them being seven games over 500, like with CJ being out and Nurkic not being healthy, it's, they're still, it feels like every night, like coming in like an underdog. Um, and like, they have to, it feels like they have to work twice as hard as the other team to, you know, to pull out these wins. I mean, Dame has pulled how many games out of his ass just by hitting, you know, these, these last second shots. So I, I just worry about it. I mean, one thing it's, it's the, it's the Western conference. So first round you're, you're not playing, you know, some Eastern conference like scrub team you're playing. Who, who are they currently they'd be playing the Clippers right now? And they'd probably they'd be playing. And... Exactly. So it's like, it's so difficult for them to get out of that first round. Um, I just hope they can, they can, like you said, peak at the right time and be healthy for that, for that run. And I mean, I would love to see it. I know I, I, I bet on the Blazers last year against the Lakers in that first round and it wasn't fun. So. Except for game one. Yeah. Game one. Was fun. I was so concerned <laughs> after game one, foolishly. Uh, thing about Portland is they have a chance to grab the three seed, right? Cause the Lakers are currently two games ahead of them. I think the Lakers would be foolish to bring back AD anytime soon. 
There's no need. And then the Clippers, while we're on this, I, I have a question for you guys about the Clippers. I haven't, I haven't watched too much of them. I'm not, I'm not a big fan um, of their just style of play overall. They're the 30th ranked team in the clutch offensively. I saw this and I, I don't understand how that's the case. I mean, you can easily point your finger at pandemic P, but I'm not going to do that. Kawhi Leonard, you would have to assume is, I mean, from what we've always watched is a great player late in games. How are they the worst team in the NBA late in games? And, and, and then still 24 and 14. Have you guys watched any of any late play from the Clippers? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I watched, they had a Sunday matinee against um, Boston, the Bucks. I think so it was against Giannis. Oh yeah. A couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. A couple weeks ago. And, and I, I did, and they completely, they had a lead uh, and they fell apart in the, in the last, in the fourth quarter, you know, in the last six minutes. And it, and it seemed like to me, you know, you have Kawhi, you have Paul George. They, they had Lou Will in there a lot, who was like getting a lot of, of random touches. Um, and it just seemed like they were taking turns. Like, you know, Kawhi would go, Kawhi, would, you know, might make his shot, but then the next trip down, now it's Paul George's turn. Um, and like, I, I just don't think, I, I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying about the Pelicans, like just having your roles defined, like Kawhi is clearly the closer on that team. Um, but, but you have to kind of bake in a few Paul George touches like in the last few minutes. So I, I, I think that's kind of what it comes down to for them is like, just like there's too many, too many guys, they have to share the ball and they're, they're just kind of taking turns. And I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah. yeah. Do, do they have, do they have the ability to get Lowry? Cause I feel like they've, they've needed a point guard this entire Paul George. Kawhi yeah. Right. I was just going to say, um, like we do think of Kawhi as this like crazy clutch player from that Toronto run. Um, Cause I mean, he obviously was like getting to his spot and, you know, hitting a shot pretty much whenever he wanted. But there was also like the intermediate possessions where Lowry or Fred Van Vliet would get them into an actual set. So like Gabe, instead of it was Paul George taking his turn, it could have been like a real set. So I think like adding a actual ball handler type of player that can actually get them into sets rather than like Lou will, you know, going ISO as much as, you know, that's his thing. It's all ISO. It's yeah. They need to trade for Rondo. Cold, it kind of spreads to the rest of the team. Like if one shot doesn't go down, it does seem to spread um, to the rest of the guys. Yeah, they didn't solve any of their issues in the offseason. We saw this last year. We gave Kawhi a pass for his performance in the playoffs. But if you, to your point, Kyle, if you watch game six of the Warriors Raptors finals, Kawhi is standing in the corner, exhausted. I don't know if he's hurt. And it's Van Fleet taking over the game and closing or Lowry started that game with, I think he had like 20 in the first half. So yeah, as good as Kawhi was, and as much as we remember that one shot, wasn't that efficient. Granted, they didn't have great offense options. This is not a knock on Kawhi. It's just, they need a point guard and they didn't address their problem. And what's strange is their team's not much different than last year when at least I guess Gabe and I thought they were the best team in the league. Or was it Robbie? I thought they were the favorite. Their team's no different, and now I don't really – I'm not scared of them at all. Are you guys? It's just because uh, of that picture that we have of them from the bubble. Yeah. 3-1 is hard to overcome. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're in the same tier. 
maybe maybe a step above um, Phoenix and Portland and Denver, but I think they're in the same tier as Utah. And for the Lakers, it all comes down to Davis's health. I mean, if he's 100%, they're the clear favorites. But if he's not, then, I, you know, again, I doubted them last year as well, but that roster doesn't inspire me very much. Um, so I think – like we're it feels like we're bored of the Clippers like we're we're disappointed that they lost last year and they didn't change much but they still have Kawhi and they still have playoff P and uh I don't know they're, they're talented we'll see yeah no it's hard to doubt Kawhi the other question I wanted to ask while we talk about these Western Conference playoff or party crashers is uh is the Nuggets I can't get a read on Jamal Murray. I thought that after the bubble, I thought I actually wrote something about how I did it like a what ifs column. What if uh, bubble Murray is sustainable? And I thought, see like a slight drop. And I know he was better towards the end of the um, first half, but you guys think that Jamal Murray, I think expecting him to mimic that performance in the, in the playoffs is unreasonable. I think that, I think that that performance was pretty conducive to the bubble environment and just that overall setting they need. I don't know if, I don't know what they're, what they're trying to do. I mean, Porter, I was obsessed with him. He's uber talented, but at the same time, they, they have to try to win now. I don't, I don't see what they can be waiting around for. And a lot of people think they might try to make a move, but, Denver is running out of years, in my opinion, to try to try to win a title. I mean, this isn't the strong. I mean, I guess we can say that, but this isn't the strongest Western Conference we've seen as far as top heavy. I mean, they got to make. I think they have to make a move. I don't know what that move is, though. I think it's a little crazy to say they're running out of time. I think I it mean, is too. While I said that, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, Joe, Joe could just like twenty six, and Murray's like yeah. twenty three. But um, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I think. Uh, the good thing for them is they have, they have a lot of pieces to move outside of the top three. Like people probably still like RJ Hampton, Bull Bull. Like they could probably get some pieces around those three. I don't, I don't think it's the time to shop Porter yet. Um, as for Murray, he's been balling of late. Uh, Consistency is always the thing for him, but um, Joke is just having a like an MVP caliber year. He's unstoppable. He's so fun to watch. Um, and I think uh, they got moves to make, as you said. Yeah, my last point think, on them is – go ahead, Kyle. I also think in, in playoff basketball, as we know, like the teams and the players will cherish like every possession that they have more and more. So I think they'll be more inclined to get into the two-man game with – Murray and Jokic and actually lean on that more consistently than maybe they do in the regular season. Um, and that could get Murray into a rhythm. Obviously Jokic could play, you know, anywhere, anytime. Um, but I do think that that could be a major benefit for Murray. Yeah, no, I mean, I also think that not to compare him to Kyrie, but I think he's a type of player Murray that would flourish more as being a little bit more off ball rather than bringing up the ball, every possession, having someone to kind of take that pressure off him. I think he would excel more. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a unique situation playing with, like, a center who is, like, the greatest passing, like, big man of all time. I mean, in my opinion, of all time, he's he's unbelievable to watch. And, like, 
you know, I, I think that they're struggling. I do think this is, I've been kind of brewing on this. It's a bit of a hot take, but um, I think the Nuggets miss Mason Plumley. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I, I think Plumley's a, a underrated passer. If the Pistons hadn't, you know, obviously he signed a ridiculous deal. Um, and obviously the Nuggets weren't going to, you know, match anything close to that. Um, but Plumlee's an underrated passer. And I think those minutes, Plumlee's currently fourth amongst centers in assists per game. Um, and I think when he came in as sort of that backup, backup five in those minutes without Jokic, they could sort of run like a similar semblance of an offense um, where he was kind of at the point at the top of the key make I mean I remember last year he he made some passes that it was like you're wondering if it's if it's Jokic or he's you could tell he's learning stuff from Jokic so I mean I don't even their backup center this year is Hartenstein. like Hartenstein he's terrible so, he's horrible <laughs> I think it's a good um, point Gabe <laughs> I um, mean, yeah no, I, I think. I no, think oh, it- I thought I thought you were commenting, Hartson. Yeah, Gabe, Gabe, pretty much convinced me on that point throughout. Yeah, it was really interesting. Well put, well put. No, but it, it's not only Plumlee. It's just like Gary Harris. I, I think it's time to. He's in the same boat as Kevin Knox in my mind. Like, sorry, I don't want to hear about you anymore. You're bad. Um, but their their bench sucks. I mean, they have their starting five. Barton's going to come back, but they're playing guys I've never heard of. They're playing like. Kankar and Hartenstein and Zeke Naji. It's like, I mean, the fact that this, same as Portland, the fact that they're six or seven games over 500 is it's wild. So I don't know. We'll see what the joke can lead them to, but yeah. I'm dubious about the back end of that roster. No, I agree. I mean, the only about, move that really what about, made was... what about Compazzo? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Are we saying, are we saving Composo for later? He was built for the uh, the playoffs. He's he's one of my favorite players. He reminds me of uh, the reason I love him is he reminds me of uh, Prigioni from the Knicks back <laughs> back in the mellow yeah. years. Uh, just like a, a rookie, an old rookie coming in from overseas. Uh, I think Composo is like twenty nine or so, but uh, he's just like he's annoying, just like Prigioni. He's a pest. He's he'll like cool. he'll guard you ninety four feet. Uh, he'll try to steal the inbounds pass and you can just tell the players hate when he's guarding them. Uh, but also he's got like a really quick first step on offense. Um, it's probably just because of what he looks like that people are like, all right, I'll take it easy. He's not going to go past me, but he can. And, uh, he's just, he's fun to watch. And also he gives me hope for, uh, John DeBarro making the league one day. So <laughs> yeah, that pass, he made, uh, that pass he made past Kuzma's nose was unbelievable. Yeah. He's crafty, man. He's yeah. good. I just yeah, he's legit. Yeah, just a little undersized. Let's let's get to these uh, playing games that we want to see. I think before we do this, we gotta let's start with the Eastern Conference. This is tough because I think we need to eliminate teams that we don't even perceive as possible playing teams. If we want to run through this, you can tell me, guys. You can tell me if you disagree that these are not teams that are eligible for the playing game. I have the Sixers, the Heat, the Bucks, the Celtics. Sorry, Sixers, Nets, Bucks, Celtics, Heat. I don't think the Heat are going to be a playing game. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I think every other team can be there 
We'll start with our, our uh, large Knicks fans. You think the Knicks are a playing team or you think they'll uh, secure the five seed they currently have? Go, go, well, I think we're hoping for the six because you just named the top five. Go, yeah. ahead, Gabe. go ahead, Gabe. I mean, I obviously best case scenario, you know, I, I'd prefer not to have, have to sweat out a, uh, a play-in game or two. Um, so I'd, I'd love to have the six seed. I, I think it's going to be tough. But at the same time, I think, you know, I, I prefer the Knicks over the Hornets. Um, and then I think the Raptors, the Raptors are probably going to move Lowry. So I'm not sure what direction they're going. So I don't, <laughs> I don't see why not. I don't see why they couldn't, the Knicks couldn't land uh, at the sixth spot. Yeah. Well, we have a tough schedule though, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the second um, half schedule is, is tough. I'm looking at the standings right now. I, I think, agree. A lot of it's up to the Lowry move. If they move him, then I don't see why we can't stay ahead of Toronto. Pacers are a wild card. Yeah. This, Levert, I was going to see, yeah. When's Levert coming back? Levert and um, TJ Warren. Levert and TJ Warren, exactly. Do you guys know the answer to that? Or? Levert, they said, has been getting up shots. Team. I still think it's pretty bleak. Yeah. But, yeah, they, there's been one report that said Levert would be back this month, and there's others that say he's not close. So I think it's, I think it's a touchy situation. So Yeah, so those are the two, if we're going to move the Heat up to five ahead of the Knicks, those are the two, Toronto and Indiana, that are, you know, have been there before. So then we got Knicks, Hornets, Bulls, and I guess Hawks and Wizards who, you know, I don't even want to talk about them. So, yeah, I, I'm feeling good. I, I would like to be in the eight seed. So for the listeners who don't know how this works, um, the seven and eight seeds only have to win one out of two games, whereas the nine and ten seeds have to win two straight games. So we got we to gotta stick in the top eight. Yeah. That would be a big advantage. Yeah. This playing format is going to be electric. I'm excited for it. Or the, seven. The thing I'm looking at, though, is if Lowry's – I know this is an if, but if Lowry stays with the Raptors, they're a top six seed. They they were getting adjusted to playing in Tampa. They've been playing well of late. I, I don't think there's any way that if he's still there, they're not in that top six. And then just looking at this, the teams that I see kind of falling apart or going the other way is I think the Hawks are going to go south. I don't I don't foresee them getting it together. But the Wizards, I would be concerned with as a Knicks fan. There, I, I know that a lot of us don't like the way Russ plays. We don't like the contested 16-footers uh, down the floor each time. But I think they have too much talent. They got killed by COVID. And Beal is one of the best players in this game. So I think Washington could sneak in there. I think the teams that are out of this picture, we, for me, uh, the Cavs, the Magic, and Pistons out of the picture, and then – We'll see what happens with the Bulls. I mean, if they're going to move a guy like Thaddeus Young, that's going to kill them because he's a big part of their team. So we'll see. I don't see why they would. Yeah, I don't see why they would either. I don't, I don't, like, they have so many young assets as it is. Like, you have Markin and Wendell, Kobe White, Levine. Like, you kind of have to give Levine reason to stick around at this point. I know he's not a free agent overly soon, but I, there's absolutely, you know, there's no loss in, you know, competing for one of these games. I think it'd be sick if, I mean, as a realist, I'm probably thinking that the Knicks are going to be hopefully the seven. If they could square up against the Bulls, I think that'd be a sick matchup with like the two kind of quote unquote out of nowhere teams in the East, like huge markets. I think that would be an unreal watch. 
Definitely. We would, I mean, we would be horrified of Zach Levine in that series. We knew we'd get back to the Knicks somehow. We'd be horrified. We're going to fall in love with the playing games, no matter how it shakes out. Yes. It's the best. And it's the best, not only because of how exciting those games will be, but because it makes the end of the regular season that much more important. Like there's only what five, six teams right now who are like done. So you got teams like the Hawks and Wizards who in a normal year would start to tank. Um, but now, you know, people are just trying to get that 10 seed and it's, there's just going to be a lot of games in the last two weeks of the season that teams are fighting for versus past seasons when they would not be. Right. It's, it. like, it's like a two game series, but it probably adds in like 20 competitive basketball games over the course of right. the end of the year. Between all the teams vying for it. And then the actual playing games themselves are going to be, I mean, it's playoff, free playoff basketball. Yeah, and it's affecting. It's going to affect the trade deadline because I think there's less teams looking to looking to sell at this point. You know, the, it's like, why would the Bulls move Thad Young? I mean, because his his stock is as high as it'll ever be. But at the same time, like, they should keep him around. Make a why not make a push? Yeah, it'd be, I think it'd be tough to sell the fan base on that. The what I'm most excited about for the playing games, I think we mentioned this recently, is that we're going to see players that have never played in games that are this intense and see what they're made of. I mean, even as us watching the Knicks every night, I'm curious what Julius Randle would look like in a do-or-die game. Or even seeing – I mean, we haven't Probably seen amazing. <laughs> even Levine, though. You could see Levine going for, like, 45 and just drilling 30-footers in, in, in anyone's eye. So I'm excited to see that. Even I mean, we saw Beal in the playoffs early in his career, but I'm excited to see guys in situations, more high leverage situations than we have in the past. Let's let's move to the West playing situation right now. Let's let's first run through the teams that we agree on. This is a tough exercise, by the way. Uh, the Jazz is the West is tough. The West yeah. is impossible. <laughs> the, these are the teams we're saying are not eligible for the play-in. The Jazz. Oh, the, the West Sun. is actually the West is actually clearer. Clearer, yeah. No, this exercise is tough either way. Um, so Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, Blazers, Nuggets are the top six. I think only the top four are no doubters. Not Agreed. Like, yeah. You could are definitely Thunder, see the Thunder Portland gonna fall off. I'm not. I'm not going to say anyone's a lock, but to, as I was saying earlier, I think that is the top six. Agreed. Yeah. Golden State, I mean, if Golden State gets in a playing game, that is just appointment TV watching stuff. Seriously. You know? I would hope that they would be the lower seed so we could get two games out of them. That's so true. yeah. So so for the people who are not looking at the standings like we are, there's four <laughs> <laughs> there's uh four teams that suck, including the Thunder. Sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, Thunder so, are the Thunder are three games you're i mean yeah they're not they're not gonna they're not going for they're gonna trade everyone they can Go what, I'm, what i'm what i'm trying to say is there's 11 teams for 10 spots um and i think we all want to see the pelicans make that jump into the top 10 um but i think we texted about this a couple of weeks ago like who would you want to fall out for the pelicans to make it like all those teams are so fun to watch we're gonna have luca in there we're gonna have steph in there we're gonna have Ja in there 
Like, I guess we would want the Spurs to fall out, but I think that has to be the answer just because they don't have the marquee guy. But like we were saying earlier, it's, it's like fun to kind of get throwback Spurs basketball. Um, I would, I think I would prefer to have Memphis in there than uh, New Orleans. If we're being honest, I love, love the Grizzlies love watching jaw. I think jaw is going to be cooking for the rest of the year. The Grizzlies interest me. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans, I was thinking about this. We, I don't know where we stand on Zion and Ja, who, we're, who we feel is the better player in the future. Um, but do we think the Grizzlies having a better record right now is more personnel or coaching? Like, why are the Grizzlies at five, a 500 team and the Pelicans are six games under? Just looking at the rosters. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tough question. It's, it's, I don't get it's, it. It's Desmond Bain. I mean, well, that's one thing is that the Grizzlies, they are, they absolutely hit in the draft. Um, Bain and I, Tillman. Yeah. David, yeah. Um, and, and like they're doing this without Jaron Jackson, which is, you know, it, it really doesn't make any sense why like they're ahead of their three games above the Pelicans. And without Jaw for like a month. And without Jaw you know, when he hurt his ankle. So it's like, I, I don't know. I think that just speaks to, I, I guess it's gotta be coaching to answer your question, right? Yeah. I mean, when Jaron Jackson James. comes back, there's no reason to believe that they're not a playing team. I mean, if they, as you mentioned, yeah. they, they've been without two of their best players for basically half the games of the season and they're yeah. 500. So yeah, I guess it is coaching. Do we think it's a huge disappointment, or not really? If New Orleans doesn't get a top, t- uh, doesn't get a ten or nine seed, you think it's a disappointment? I, th- I think it's a big. I think it's a big disappointment because the whole conversation last year was that they were introducing the playing game after the bubble so that it could kind of push New Orleans and Zion to get in last year. So for them to still not be in the top ten this year, I think would be a pretty big disappointment. We talking about from a fan's perspective or from a Pelican perspective? Pelican. Yeah, I think they should be disappointed. Um, we've talked about this plenty. I mean, they have the talent. They have all the talent in the world. Um, so I know they're young, but it's no excuse not to finish in the top 10 out of 15 when Timberwolves are horrible, the Rockets are horrible, the Kings are pretty bad. So, I mean, really, you just got to trump, like, one of those nine or ten teams and no excuses. Yeah. I mean, as a someone that enjoys watching the Pelicans on a pretty much nightly basis, I don't see them making the plan. And then um, if, nine or, if nine or ten win, they are not in the lottery, right? It's not preset. Yeah. Got it. It's a hard-hitting question. Two and a half no, hours. I'd tell, yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> if you know what I mean? Eight seed, if you're an eight seed and you lose in the play-in, you're in the lottery. You're in the lottery. Yeah. So then that it just that makes sense. Into, yeah. Which is why the Mavericks. <laughs> Cade to New York. <laughs> let's uh let's jump to uh why we why a lot of NBA fans dislike Paul George and or Trey Young. Let's I want to start with Trey Young. So Trey Young obviously hunts fouls on a nightly basis. Um, complains to refs like he's a ten-year vet. To me, he's Trey Young is an is an extremely impressive player. My question is, 
why are we getting upset with him for hunting these foul calls? He's trying to win games and get to the line and be efficient. It's not, his, I mean, he's not doing anything wrong. He's trying to win. They keep calling these. So he's keep, he's going to continue to get the guy on his ass and wait until the guy leans forward an inch and, and take his jumper. So why do we dislike him for that? I see Robbie's nodding. Seth. I'm so, nodding. My, I'm nodding my head hard and I can't wait to see what Gabe says. I, I hate watching him. Those a thing. It is annoying and it sucks to watch and they should probably change the rule, but to play, te- to play devil's ad- advocate, if he was on your team, you would love that he's doing that and quickly does a lot of that. And Kemba Walker does a lot of that with, you know, throwing his head back to try to draw fouls. It's within the rules. You know, Chris Paul does it. It is annoying. I'm, I'm not going to say it's not annoying, but Gabe, I want to hear why you think that it's okay for other people to do it, but not Trey. Well, I think Trey does it. I mean, he's getting to the line like 15 times a game. You know, I think it's some, to me, Trey is, I think he's been getting the calls for so long. Like since he's been in the league, he's been able to, you know, get away with these, this foul baiting and, and it's, and, you know, it's, it's definitely padding his stats. Um, to the point now where, you know, he's expecting, he really is expecting the calls and he's getting them. And I think that's why like his attitude has been sort of a turnoff for fans. Like he's, he's not used to not getting those, those calls. Um, So I don't know. For me with Trey, it's just, it comes down to just like the joy of basketball and like being a basketball player, like, the best players in, in basketball don't have to do that shit and they can get to, the, they can get their points um, and get to the free throw line without baiting the ref and forcing them into a tough call or, you know, it's just a, it's just the joy of, of watching it type thing for me where it's just not pleasant. I think that part of the reason we dislike it, Kyle, tell me, I wonder what you think about this. I think part of the reason we dislike it, is because they're not winning. If he was winning, we would think that we'd be more impressed by him and we would have less of a problem with it because he's not winning. I think that we find it even more frustrating. Yeah, I totally agree. Him not being an all-star shows that. I'm glad. For sure. Well, I think him reacting the way he did after, like, I think he he tried to draw, like, a charge and then gets up and screams. That was, like, one of the worst things in – I saw throughout the first half of the year and it may just be that he has a very punchable face at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just kind I of a squirrely dude. It's flopping around. <laughs> yeah. The one, the one, the one thing that does suck about him is his defense. Um, the foul thing, I go back and forth again, like a lot of players I love do the same thing, but he doesn't. And like, I keep going back to Kemba because I love Kemba. He's very little and he's a liability on defense, but he tries. Trey does not try at all. And it's sickening. And I, if that's the reason why you don't like him, I'm totally with it. Yeah. I was so pumped on a, on a recent episode to go off about how bad his defense was and do like a whole anti Trey segment. And his defense is awful. Everyone would say he's one of the worst, if not the worst, but what's interesting about the Hawks is that, his on-off numbers, they are minus 
they're minus or they're plus three when he's on the court and minus nine when he's off, which is just a massive difference. But it seems like, as we mentioned, a lot of guys on that team hate playing with him and they're not winning. And we would never sit here and say it's a supporting cast because I don't think it is. I don't think he's a leader. I don't think he is either. He's not built different. I think it's a combination of all the things we've said. Like as a as a hoop head, you can you can just identify, you know, like the totality of it, where he's not he's not trying on defense. He's not it's not aesthetically pleasing. Um, and yeah, like you know, he's trying to win games, but he's not. So it's kind of like it's just all of it for for me, like. For sure. Yeah, and Ryan, you just said about being his teammate. Imagine being like DeAndre Hunter, and I know he's hurt, but like you're you're like getting you're getting there and you're you're like, you know, I gotta watch this guy take 30 shots today and we're gonna lose. He's gonna play no defense, so I have to pick up for his slack on the defensive end, and then I'm not gonna get the shots that I want on the offensive end. It's just gotta be frustrating. He's yeah. a pretty pretty sick passer though. Yeah, but he hunts assists though. Yeah, I would think the pace of play can get a little frustrating too as well when he's standing at the line all game. Let's the next guy that it doesn't even seem like there's an in-between on. It seems like everyone in this league is fed up with Paul George for one reason or another. He has he starts out the season 50, he's like 50, 50, 90, playing out of his mind, gets hurt, comes back, playing well, has one bad game. That was the game I was thinking of. Clippers, Celtics, I think it was uh, on a Sunday. He has one bad game and everyone goes off on Twitter. There's no, there's nothing he there, is there one thing that Paul George could do in the regular season that anyone would care about? I don't think no. so. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, He's pretty I mean, much 50, 40, 90. He is so wet and so smooth. Yeah. I mean, just like it, if we were, if we did like the all cute team, if we were to do the all smooth team, he would be undoubtedly on the first team. He just gets to his spots. It, it's like he's gliding on the court. And, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, if, if you didn't hear about the playoff P, um, if you didn't see, like, the compilation of people draining buzzer beaters in his eye, like, his game is so beautiful. Um, but, I mean, it's just a sour taste left in your mouth from last year's playoffs. And, again, like Gabe said about uh, Milwaukee, I think, like, we don't care what they do until, until the bright lights are on. I think it's perfectly said. I mean, as you mentioned, there are games, there are Clippers games you turn on the late game and Paul George will come out in the third quarter and just put up like 15 straight contested threes through the leg step backs. He's also a very good defender, but yeah, there's there, you reach a certain point in your career. I think where it, no matter what you do in the regular season, it becomes irrelevant. Especially when it's highlighted by playoff failures. Right. And we're seeing a lot of that. Like we've talked about a lot of this, like throughout the league, it's like, there's a lot of teams that have a lot to prove this year and, and, you know, coming up in the playoffs, it's like, I, I just, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. I would love to see Paul George. I'm not a Clippers fan at all. I don't like them, but I would love to see Paul George in a Western conference finals game, drop 46 and hit a dagger in someone's eye and like mouth him off while he walks off the court. Like he, not that he's earned it, but he's such a good player. 
And as Robbie met, he's one of the most skilled players in the league. And we're just going to choose to not appreciate him because he had the side of the backboard last year in a playoff game. And because he hasn't had success, he was good in Indiana in the postseason. And because it's amazing if you win one ring, you just get this, you get this permanent pass like Kawhi. No one cares that he sucked last year in that series at all. Well, it's he's all got two. What? He's got two. Yeah, two. I'm saying once you get one, <laughs> unless you're LeBron, you can kind of do whatever you want. I hear you. Um, there are other players, though. That, uh, Steph Curry was, like, voted the most disliked player recently. I, I don't comprehend. I don't either. Um, especially, like, I think we were talking about it a while back, but just, like, the joy he plays with, you are mentioning, like, you know, what's to hate? Yeah. What? Yeah, I think I think like for NBA players, it would. I think they just hated the fact that, you know, that the Warriors were winning. You know, they were pretty much winning every year. Obviously, the Durant thing, but then also like they're getting beat by a guy who's like six three, one eighty, you know, and he's just putting it on them, splashing threes yeah. in their face, and I mean that's gotta be frustrating when you're like LeBron James or you know so yeah and at that time he was hitting shots that almost looked like we never seen people shoot like that before almost looked like luck but it obviously wasn't let's move on to uh wanted to talk about players on bad teams that we want to see in different situations is there anyone in particular robbie you want to get us started here that you want to see get moved hopefully soon yeah so i mean are we talking about we could talk about bad players that we want to or sorry, good players on bad teams that we wanted the Knicks or just to just to be somewhere else? Just a different situation in general. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll list a few off and you guys can, can react to them. Yeah. Uh, I think Fox is pretty much number one on my list. I had him number one too. Um, Levine, who I looked it up, he's a UFA next summer. So that, I'm kind of hoping from a Knicks standpoint that they um, – make the play in this year, get a little taste of the playoffs, don't win, but want to keep him, not trade him, and then we'll get him next summer. Um, and then there's, like, people who have signed, but, you know, the way the NBA is, like, they could leave at any point. Uh, Jamal Murray's, uh, Beal, of course, everyone talks about. Um, and I think Zion is not going to be in New Orleans for the long term. You think that – that's interesting. You think they could ever stomach trading him? Well, I mean, eventually they will. They'll have to. Well, you don't, so you don't think he'll sign the rookie max there at least? So what? he's got three more years after this? I think so. I'm not certain. I could – not certain. Yeah, no, I just think – I mean, the fact that even NFL quarterbacks are in charge of, of their lives right now. Like, I know we don't normally see rookies or second-year players take, take control of their destiny, but I don't see why that won't start now. Um, yeah. And I just – I think if – they don't start building things around him the right way, then he's going to want out. And it kind of pisses me off that people in New Orleans don't care about basketball. So I'm sure that bothers him too. Yeah. Yeah. He was on a Reddick's pod talking about his first game in the NBA. And he was talking about how he had like that invincibility moment where he hit the first three and the crowd started ooing and on. And then the second and the third, and he like couldn't believe what was going on. Like, imagine him doing that in an actual legitimate market with real fans. 
thing is, he's such an innocent, shy guy that I don't know if that's what he's looking for. But at the same time, you make so much more money in these big markets. Like a guy like Kuzma is probably making as much money off the floor as on. So right. the other guy, you guys are going to laugh at this because he just signed. But I, I want to see Giannis elsewhere. I want to see Giannis with a legitimate number one, or I want to see someone go there because as good as Middleton is and as good as the Bucks may, may be, Giannis is not winning as the number one offensive guy at the end of games. And they're going to continue to view him as that. And he's, that's not what he is. And so when you say number one, do you need mean number one on the team or number one in terms of like handling late game duties, and late game duties. Like, gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we have seen pretty much all that we can stomach out of Middleton. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the addition of Drew will be great um, in the playoffs once he gets back. And then, like, their defense should be sick with the two of them together. But I agree. I told totally us where you're coming from. I just – I'm not sure, like, so who – I mean, I guess it's basically saying he would be – he needs to have – Lillard. Team. Yeah, like – Lillard. It, it, It'll be a super team. Lillard would be pretty damn cool. Um, Deal. There was some talk, I think, over the uh, All-Star break about um, Jokic and how they kind of, like, had a good connection um, on Team LeBron. What would you guys think about that? Jokic and who? Giannis. And Giannis. Hmm. That would be wild. That would be unique. That would be pretty crazy. Sure. I just think that the – I think the problem – I don't think I the problem would improve, well. though. I mean, that's a great team, but I still think you're – I still think it's awkward offense at the end of games. Although, last year we saw that Laker-Denver series, which everyone makes like it wasn't it, – it was it was a closer series than I feel like people give, give it credit for. Uh, when Jokic just threw his forearm into AD and hit the baby hook over his face before AD hit the game winner, like Jokic has that ability. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the right, the right combo for you. I would sign up for it though. That I would, would love it. it. I would love it. <laughs> I just want to see Giannis with someone. I don't. I want to see Giannis stop getting the blame and have that deer in the headlights look in the at the end of these games in the playoffs. It's not. It's just not. I don't think it's his fault. But the expectation is ridiculous, and I think they built the wrong team around him. So, and then, yeah, we mentioned Beal too. I think Beal's getting wasted away. He's one of the, one of the best offenses. Why are so loyal to wanting to stay in Washington? Like all you hear is that he, you know, he's fully committed. Which I, I just don't, I don't understand. I know. I don't either. At a certain point, don't you care about winning? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a discussion I wanted to have, to have about Dane. Um, so I, I think I think about this a lot because he's been one of my favorite players for like his whole career, um, and we love the people who are loyal. You know the Kobe's, the Duncan's, the Dirks, and I think he wants to do that. You know, there's there's no signs that he wants to leave Portland. He loves it there. They love him, um, but like you know, you'd hope to see his story play out like Dirk where he sticks it out. And then finally in year 12, they win it all. Um, but that just doesn't seem realistic to me with the team they have. I mean, you know, Dirk, Dirk won it all with Jason Kidd, Tyson Chandler, Sean Marion, and, and that's just not going to work in the NBA these days with stars pairing up. So my question is like, 
what is his legacy if he stays there, makes 12 all NBA teams, sets records, um, but never makes the finals? And does he care about that? Like, what's his move? Is he going to try to recruit someone? Is he going to try to go somewhere else, which I hope he doesn't, but I, th- I just think it's fascinating. I think it is too. I mean, I think he'll try to recruit. I don't, I think he's already married to this idea of leave of not leaving and feels like if he feels like a hypocrite, if he, if he leaves Portland. Does he feel like a guy who would be like out there, like recruiting to you though? Like he said he was talking to Giannis. Uh, oh yeah. That past off season. Yeah. And Giannis made an awful decision. Well, we'll see. Um, the ink is still drying on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, Robbie, he'll be the best trailblazer ever for what that's worth. Like he'll be a legend in Portland, but I agree. It does have to eat at him. These constant playoff losses. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, if he does a thing, like, I mean, it's kind of a weird comparison, but Carl Malone played every, his whole career in Utah. And then when he was at the very end, he went to the Lakers and ring chase there. Like, would he do something like that? I don't know. That would be another, you know, potentially 10 years from now. Oh, Malone, they made the finals. Right. Oh, yeah. With Utah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's – I think it's interesting to think about, like, how he cares about his legacy versus, you know, people like us will always remember him as being at the top of, at the, top of the league. But, you know, 20 years from now, people, you know, kids might say, like, Oh, like he never made the finals. He's not, he wasn't a superstar. We know he was, but you know, how does that impact his decisions? I don't know. I really don't think he cares is the thing. I think he's actually just one of the most real guys in the league and doesn't, doesn't buy into all of that. As long as he knows that he enjoyed his career and his time in Portland. I don't know if he, I don't know. I don't think he cares about the perception, but at a certain point he's got to be competitive enough that he wants to win. I mean, I can't even fathom the goosebumps I would have watching a Damian Lillard interview after winning a title. That'd be the happiest. That'd be potentially the happiest moment of my NBA viewing experience close to LeBron's comeback against Golden State. But I could also watch Dame Lillard get interviewed for 45 minutes and be extremely content. I like everything he says. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I would pass away if they won it all. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Dame Dalla has to. Uh, we'll see what he has to say. We'll see if he wants to make a move. But um, we wanted to get to. We've been bringing up league pass. We wanted to get to the league pass teams that uh, are not. We had here not title contenders. I think. Um, I think it'd be fitting right now if we just talk about the league pass teams. Maybe give our favorite and then a couple that we just can't stand watching. Does that work? I think my favorite is obvious. There's two of them. It's the Pelicans and the Thunder that I've been watching every single night that Kyle's laughing. (laughs) Watch the Thunder every night. I've started getting active on Twitter about my affinity for, for SGA. I think that, what I'm obsessed with in this league, and I think we probably all fall in this bucket, is just the development of these young players. I'm amazed how quickly these guys can take a leap. For example, SGA last year in the bubble was the number three option on OKC and would stand in the corner timidly and looked like he wanted no part of what was going on. 
And now he's the number one option on a somewhat competitive team shooting 51%. Like, how does that happen in two months is my question. And that's why I'm just fascinated watching him and them. Yeah, I, I think that's like, that's the benefit of the experience of like, you know, he got to play through those, those playoff minutes. He had Chris Paul, you know, there to, to, you know, kind of teach him. And now it's like this year he's, I mean, clearly you look at their record, like he's stepped into that role where, you know, he wants the ball now at the end of the game. Chris Paul's gone now and it's his team. Um, and I like, you know, I look at all these young teams that it's like, should they, should they battle for that like eight seed or should they just play the lottery? And it's like, you can see the benefit of, of getting that playoff experience. Like that's what I just, I want for all the young, all the young guys in the league that I love. Like, I just want them all to be able to get that experience. Cause I think it's so valuable. Even the next year, you, you know, to go from playing game seven of a playoff series to, you know, game one of like an NBA season, it's like, it's such a huge contrast. So I think, you know, like that's what, that's what we're seeing with the Thunder this year, even Dort, like he made some big shots last year and we're seeing it like kind of play out. So, you know, that's a great point. And SGA too had that experience playing Golden State with the Clippers too. So he he's he's been in two pretty marquee playoff series, and I think it's paid off. We can go around. Maybe let's go around to the teams we like, and then after we'll come back around um, do the teams that we don't like watching. One of you guys wants to jump in? Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go ahead uh, with the. I think I sort of fell in love with the Heat last year in the playoff run. Um, and I know Jimmy was out for a while, but they've been on a tear for like the last two weeks since he's been back. I think they finished uh, seven and three. I just checked in their last 10, um, you know, something about them, like, and then like, you always have the, the, uh, the Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero effect. I know Tyler hasn't been quite as good this year. Bam has taken a huge step up. He's way more of an offensive playmaker this year. You got precious. I just love everything that they're doing. Um, and yeah. I'm all in on the quote unquote heat culture. These are two unique picks we have here so far. <laughs> I'll give you uh, I, I think I, I talked about the bulls a little bit too much, but uh, I just think Patrick Williams is fun. Zach Levine is, I could watch him every night. Uh, Markinen's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think is going to happen with him, but he's got plenty of talent. Uh, and then if, if we're going to go to the West coast, what do you think of Kobe white uh, Robbie? Not a fan. Not a fan. I, I think he's more of an off guard than a than a true floor general point guard too. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's why I don't want him to be with Levine. Yeah, um, that's fair. But on the west, we're talking about non contenders here. So um, on the west coast, I'm going with the Kings. I love Halliburton. I almost had him. I almost had him number two actually on our rookie rankings, and I just think his feel for the game is ridiculous. Like. I think we knew this going into the draft that that he was like, you know, he was ready for the league, but it's really like pretty clear how good he is. And I also like that he has an ugly shot. I think ugly shots are cool. Yeah. Um, and then one more team to throw in, even though they're kind of a contender. My favorite team to watch in the NBA right now is the Suns. 
Um, Booker, huge fan. Mikael Bridges is like one of my under the radar favorite players. I just think he's the perfect three and D. Um, and then it's, it's just fun to watch, you know, Chris Paul come in there and, and give them mentality that they haven't had yet. So those are my, those are my three. Yeah. We, we haven't talked too much about the Suns, but it's hard to, it's hard to not think about if they had drafted Halbert. Yeah. Cause that would be, I mean, if they had picked, cause I, I don't even know who they drafted. Like Jalen, no, like Jalen, some big yeah. man, you know, who's not seeing the floor at all. I just think, you know, if they could have Halvern coming in with that second unit, it would be, it would be electric. But I agree. This, the Suns are, I'm not even sure I'm ready to call them a contender this year, but. Uh, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Yeah. I just, the Suns have been awesome. Who's more important to the Suns, uh, Booker, Chris Paul? I think it's Chris Paul by a landslide. Booker. I, I think Chris Paul is continuing to be overlooked in this league. He, not only the way he gets everyone to play, but at the end of these games too, he can get to that spot at the elbow of the free throw line and it never hits rim. I just think it's not just the stats he puts up, but it's the attitude. I think that if you remove Booker, from this team, they are still in eight or seven seed. They would, I think Chris Paul is one of those guys in this league. We saw it last year, any team he's on, if they have any talent at all as a playoff team, I think if book, I think that if it's just Booker, they're struggling for the plan. I just think that he brings an attitude and confidence and just uh, almost like a level of dirtiness to this team that they needed. Um, He's one of my favorite players in the league, and I wanted—I really want to see him have some more success in the playoffs with the Suns. I'd make one more point about Halliburton, Robbie. We can't—we just—I just wanted to bring up that lefty pass that he threw against the Knicks that I still can't. Oh my over. god! Oh my god! <laughs> he's special, man. Yeah, he is, and he's that, a uh, that shot though is so. And the tape—he's got the whole unique look. He's, it's so unorthodox that jumper. Like I just—I love it. I'm surprised every time it goes in. I actually, I, I saw a stat. I saw a stat. I was watching a Kings, God knows who game. There's so many good West Coast games. Like, oh my Kings God. Kings never oh. play anyone relevant either for some reason. I feel like the oh. Kings are also just in another game versus, versus another version of themselves. At I don't know, but on the, on, the West, <laughs> on the West Coast, you got the Kings, Warriors, Suns, but it's so fun. But I was watching a uh, Kings game and they showed that he – was number one in the NBA, not amongst rookies, amongst players in wide open three percentage. That was crazy. Yeah, that that is that's pretty special for a rookie. Gabe, especially what do you got? That, yeah, especially with that shot. For my league pass team, I mean, I'm surprised no one's mentioned the Hornets yet. Um, you know, they they're just incredibly fun to watch obviously with the mellow but just some of these young guys it's been nice to see gordon hayward um playing well um rosier has been playing well i like some of these big guys pj washington and, and bridges um so they're definitely you know and that announcer is great so <laughs> the, the announcer the announcer the matters a lot in the league pass decision it's it really does you get to to watch those those like random broadcasts and 
That's the best. Um, so I, I, I like the Hornets. Um, and then I feel like they play a ton of close games too. Yeah. They're the number one ranked clutch team. Robbie, you haven't brought up Malik Monk yet. I'm shocked. What? Am I a Malik Monk guy? I think you made a comment about Monk maybe a week or two ago. Maybe I'm mislabeling this. But he's also – Maybe you were talking to – you were texting Bill Simmons. I thought you were going to say that. You guys <laughs> <laughs> on the stock, uh, right? No, I, I am a fan. I am a fan of Monk. Uh, did we take – did we take Frank ahead of him? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that feels right. Uh, no, he's been fun to watch. I love watching the Hornets. Uh, I talked about their announcer earlier. Yeah, the he Hornets just... <laughs> are a team I have to fit in more often in the second half. I got to focus on them a little more. Um, do we want to head to the teams that we don't like watching? Because I have a team that's entertaining, but I, I never watch them. I don't enjoy it. And that's the Boston Celtics. I feel like I know exactly what I'm getting from them every time I turn the TV on. There's no surprises. Um, I do like watching Robert Williams play a little bit, but I know what I'm getting. It's going to be, it's going to be Tatum and Brown trading possessions. Kemba will either be on that night or he'll be off. And I just, it's predictable. There are no surprises. I guess the only enjoyment really is that Brown has taken that next step, but Celtics are on a lot prime time too. And I just, nothing about them excites me. Yeah. And their, their announcer is annoying too. Yeah. Huge homers too. They were my choice as well. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've seen the same group play in like so many playoff games or playoff series of big moments that it's kind of hard when you have like all these opportunities, like you're choosing what game you want to watch. I'm not going to choose a team that I kind of already know what they're totally about. And like, like you said, like I could see Jalen Brown's progression, but I think I'd rather explore like, a Charlotte, um, you know, Chicago, team, like an Easter conference team that isn't always on prime time that I haven't already seen before. On the same um, so, page. So I have four, three of them are bad. <laughs> the magic. Yes, so th- this, this is actually me saying that I would love to watch 26 out of 30 teams, magic pistons. Although I do like Sadiq Beth. um, rockets, and the one, the one good team that I just – I don't need to flip them on on a nightly basis is the L.A. Lakers. Wow. wow. Okay. So I have found the Lakers to be significantly less enjoyable this season too. I, as I've mentioned several times, I'm a, as big of a LeBron guy as you can be, but they're, they're similar to the Celtics in that I know what I'm getting. They also play so slow sometimes that it can become boring – I have one point while we're on the Lakers. I don't understand why they signed Montrezl Harrell and didn't use that money elsewhere. That's an entire another point. This will be like a five-hour podcast if we get into that. I don't under. <laughs> I, I think he's completely. Are we not u- there yet? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's completely useless in the postseason. I don't know what he brings to the table. I would have spent that money elsewhere. Um, I do like Schroeder though. Schroeder has some of the best swag in the game, so I do enjoy watching. Yeah, him. he's going to be big for them uh, come playoff time. Yeah. How about, um, Robbie, uh, the other thing I had too, though, was uh, when Christian Wood comes back, the Rockets have to leave that, that bucket. Fine. But if we're talking about the Rockets, I think we have to bring up what happened a couple weeks ago on your pod. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
a few weeks ago, I said that I liked the Rockets for a playing team at worst. I think I even had them as a higher seed in the West. If they had won, what's up? After the Harden trade. Yeah, they had won. Well, they won seven of eight, I think, after the trade. They were getting hot. They were the best defense in the NBA over that stretch. My guy Christian Wood destroyed his ankle again, and they have not won since that podcast. So we're still looking for that first win. I think it's Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, let's not, under, let's not understate that they haven't won. They, they have are 0 and 13. They were, <laughs> they were 11 and 10. They were 11 and 10. I listened to the podcast. Ryan Jacobs is saying they're going to finish top six in the West. And since then, they're 0 and 13. I just I want put, to bring that up. It's I put the stink on them. I know. <laughs> Although you, you texted about him earlier today. I do like Jay Sean Tate a lot. Yeah, me too. He's another guy that would be good on every team. Um, get, we so okay. So we went through all of the league pass teams we don't like watching. Rob, so Robbie likes watching twenty six to thirty teams. It's borderline concerning. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, we've got a few more items we want to get to here. One of them is this was your idea, Robbie. Of what do we think Woj and Sham's relationship is like? Let me know where you wanted to go with this. Uh I have <laughs> somewhere I want to go. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll let Gabe take the yeah, floor. I, I, tr- I tried to research it. I looked up like I looked up a how Shams got into into this position, and b how like how they feel about each other. And I I didn't get much. Um, I think and, I'm older than Shams. Yeah, he's like 25. <laughs> and yeah. and he, yeah, and he broke he he broke some big trade. It was like a Luol Deng trade when he was 19. Um, so I like in my heart, I want to think that Woj hates his guts, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun for me to think about. It. It's like, do McShay and Kuiper like each other? You know, it's like the, the first guy on the block versus the guy who's trying to take his, his lunch money. So I don't know. What do you think, Gabe? I, I mean, I, I think Woj is a good guy. So, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he's reached out to Shams. Um, and offered his support. Um, but I feel like Shams isn't the type of guy to, to really want it. And I just want to, I just have, I have an issue with Shams. Um, <laughs> Let's hear I just want to air out because he's been breaking, like, uh, what did he break? Like the, the all-star draft. First off, he broke the all-star reserves, bef- like an hour before TNT was set to, Eric, which took totally took all the fun out of out of the the broadcast. So I can't imagine TNT was very happy with Shams after that. Um, and then he also like was breaking, yeah, the for the All Star Draft. It's like I don't know. Some things don't need to be spoiled an hour beforehand. So that's all I wanted to say. I just no. I mean, they ruined the draft too. Some things just yeah. keep to yourself yeah. and let us enjoy it, you know? That's- and it's, all, it's also like, how do, like, if teams have been leaking shit to Woj for all these years, like, why are they leaking shit to Shams now, you know? Because he's been grinding. Were they together <laughs> at Yahoo? Yeah, where is, I know Shams is with Stadium now. What, who else is he, who else is he with? The Athletic. The Athletic? Yeah. All right, that's our Shams Woj talk. Robbie, uh, tell us why we need to shut up about this award talk. 
on every single media outlet that we go to. Yeah, I, I brought it up earlier. I just I think there's better stuff to talk about. Um, you know, it's it's a 72 game season, and we've been hearing about the MVP conversation for since game 10. And I just I just don't care. Like, you know, it's let's let's talk about it uh, in April or May. But I would rather hear conversation about a Mavericks Pelicans game or a you know Hawks Hornets game than if Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic is the MVP after 20 games, like one of them could get hurt. LeBron could make a run. Like who cares? Let's, you know, see what happens. Yeah. I could- the conversation would be a lot like more fun and interesting if we were just starting to have it right now. And we didn't have these preconceived notions from the past 40 games or whatever. Like if it's just post all-star break, that's when we start to consider it. Cause like, I don't know where would LeBron rank, I feel like he's kind of dipped over the last like 10 games or so where it felt like he was a lock three weeks into the season. So I totally agree that it's stupid. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like it ebbs and flows every week. So why don't we just not talk about it until it's time to judge it? Yeah. I think this, have they always released this ladder for these awards on social media? Is that a new thing? Cause that's made this worse too. Now, Nikola Jokic went from three to two on the MVP ladder. Who determined that? And who cares? Yeah, I think that's new. I think that's new. I think it's making it worse too because people actually think now, like they buy into that, that while wow, he's the number two guy, we were also obviously they're going to come out with odds every season for every award. I've been Simmons Defensive Player of the Year, which I feel strong about. I had to get that in there. What do you get that at? Uh, plus a thousand. Nice. Um, but the other thing is, we were told that Luka Doncic was the MVP before the season started, and they are fighting for a playoff spot. So I agree. The award talk is ridiculous. And they're even, I mean, we're even listening to the Simmons go bear debate every day. Like, why don't we just see how the season ends? So I agree. I'd rather hear about, I don't think preseason predictions are ridiculous. No, I know, but like people were shocked. Rounding someone a quarter of the way into the years. Yeah. But people were shocked when, the Mavs came out slow and they're like, Oh, Luca is no longer in the running. Right. Are you kidding? Well, what if they get hot in the second half and Luca averages 35 a night? Right. So, all right, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up with a few more topics. We wanted to get into bench guys that we love for no reason. I think that this is something we all have and there's legitimately no reason for it. <laughs> Kyle, if you want to get us started here. Sure. I mentioned him a bit earlier, but, um, Jalen Brunson is one of the key guys that comes to mind. Um, I kind of love these Villanova guys. Like he, he, he and uh, Josh Hart are kind of in the same mold where they just kind of play their asses off. Um, they can sort of do everything a little bit undersized. Um, and he has been over the course of like the last couple of weeks, he's really taken a step, like being that second ball handler for the Mavericks. Um, both with Luca and with when Luke is taking his time on the bench. Um, yeah. I think he's, you know, high energy guy. I think he's, you know, he's one of, he's one of my go-tos, one of my boys. Yeah. He also is just, this is a ridiculous point, but he just feels like such a maverick to me. I can't picture Brunson playing anywhere else right now. I love it. He's been awesome. He's been awesome. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And Josh Hart as well. Just, yeah. I love his rebounding. He's, yes. He really boards hard. I, I respect. Like weirdly physical and like do not shy away from contact at all. Yeah, he, I, board, he boards so hard. 
Uh-huh. I tweeted this last week. Uh, there's one of my favorite plays in the NBA is the Josh Hart grabs the rebound, sprints down the court at full speed and hits a layup off the wrong foot. He's unbelievable at it. And he, that's, that's his move. Josh Hart. I love Josh. Hart. I feel like he should be playing closing minutes for them. Yeah. Over Bledsoe. Yeah. He's, he's almost like too, it seems like he's too athletic for his, seems like his athleticism is in front of his skill set. Um, it kind of reminds me of Sean Gallagher when we were growing up, just like he was always one of the best, like the best athletes in the grade, but sometimes moves a little too fast for his own good. And like, you know, missed layoffs off the backboard. Uh, that kind of reminds me of, of Josh Hart, just like was flying, flying in for rebounds, but you know, not a good shooter. Um, not polished, but you know, an all hustle, all athleticism guy. That was a big Nick Kelly move too, is grab the rebound, go full speed and not be able to slow down enough and just right. yeah, off yeah. the backboard, front rim, down, not in. Yep. Gabe, who's your guy, your bench guy? I I have one guy, um, Saban Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've mentioned a lot of players on this pod. I don't think we've mentioned Saban Lee yet. Um, he's fun. He's fun. <laughs> And I think he's a guy to look out for. I, I think they got a steal um, in Detroit with him. He kind of has quickly vibes. Um, he can shoot it. He can kind of wiggle in the in the paint um, and finish. So I'm going to go with Saban Lee. And then just a sort of a – He's got a lot of opportunity to grow, especially with Ryan's guy, Killian, out for pretty much the whole year. Yep. He's getting Sa- – Saban actually also has a really cute face. I noticed that when they put the next. Yeah. Saban's yeah, we know we're knee deep when we're talking about Saban Lee's wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> He's got really nice wiggle. And then one guy, just an extra one, I just want to throw in there because we haven't talked about it. Can we just talk about Theo Pinson being the greatest teammate in the world? Yes. That's what I meant to say at the beginning of this pod. I was going to say that our energy levels were Theo Pinson, Theo Pinson type. He is like such a just having a guy on the bench like that who's who's cheering like doesn't care about his minutes. He's cheering for every single guy who scores. Like I just feel like that's a that's a really valuable thing to have actually just on your bench every night, especially during these COVID times like when there's no crowd to get everybody involved like I fucking love Theo Pinson. Do you think Austin Rivers is like shut the fuck up, Theo? Because Austin Rivers is livid on the bench every night now. He's gone. Yeah. He's so he's so pissed every time they pan to him. He had That's that like, one game against Utah, right? Yeah. Where he was unconscious. Yeah. Unconscious. Yep. And just just to just to build on Gabe's point, um, my dad, shout out Hank. I know he'll listen. Hey, um, and also also Ryan, he's I, I told you, we listened to the Ron Darling pod. He was a huge fan. I appreciate um, it, Hank. So uh, he texted me a couple of weeks ago that uh, the Knicks bench is like a college team. And it's true. Like, they're young guys. Like, you know, they're, some of them are not getting the minutes that they want. But it, it just feels like they're a college group. They're all jumping off the bench. They're rooting for each other. It's, it's just enjoyable to watch. And it makes me happy. No, that's a good point. The Knicks bench is what the Pelicans bench should look like, but it doesn't. There's just something – there's something wrong with the culture. Robbie, who's your uh, – Wait, I know Kevin ahead. Knox is taking some strays tonight, but he's a part of that group too. He always is. 
face. Yeah. He does. He gets up. Yeah. We had to compliment Knox at some point. Robbie, who's who's good job, guy? Knox. Uh, I might sit this section out just because I think okay. I brought them both up. Uh, Facundo Compazzo, I had written down, and uh, so. Okay. I had uh, the first guy I had was the slim dog Chris Boucher. I love watching Chris Boucher play. When he comes in every now and then. He has these flashes where I'm confused why the Raptors have issues at center, but then he also has these moments where he'll get posted down low and you're reminded that he's 170 pounds. But he also – he can hit the three ball, and he has the weirdest rotation on his shot where he almost side spins it. Yeah. This is pathetic that I know this. And he is also – like he'll get to the line and just drain his free throws casually. So I love Chris Boucher. And then – I don't know if you guys have caught any Max Struess minutes this year on uh, Miami. Yep. yep. Plays hard for them. He came out of nowhere. And Gabe Vincent. And Gabe Vincent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Max Struess. I like the minutes that he plays. And then the last guy I had. This also seems like weirdly Miami vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first time I saw him on the court, I knew who he was. The last guy Gabe mentioned earlier was Kyra Lewis. I want to see more minutes from him. He just – he moves at 1,000 miles per hour. Um, but I think at some point, once he can become more polished, he'll be effective for them. But they, they still need to figure out. I mean, there's so many guys. Last guy was DeAndre Bembry, who just comes in and runs as hard as he can for four minutes and uh, and sits back down on the bench. He had some nice dunks on Atlanta, but he doesn't add much to Toronto's depth. So those are my uh, those are my bench guys. I'm not sure we had uh, – I'm not sure there's anything else left on our uh, agenda here. I got to uh, maybe scan Wait, through. You wanted to finish up with Top Shot, Robbie. We yeah, that was my last thing. Um, <laughs> Top Shot doesn't make any sense to me. So <laughs> I know that I know Ryan's into it. I know well. Gabe's been collecting cards. Uh, he gave me a Kemba card, which I'm very appreciative of. But <laughs> Top Shot doesn't make sense. Like, so you're you're buying these highlights that are on YouTube. So so, like, what do you own exactly, and why is it worth so much? Yeah, so I currently have 18 moments. Um, market's down 24% right now on those 18 moments. But uh, so this is early, and I don't know much about investing in general. But from what I'm gathering is I bought 15 of these moments through the marketplace, meaning they were not from packs; They were on sale from other collectors. So I bought these 15 moments. And I'm in this with the mindset of let me buy guys that I think my knowledge benefits me. And these guys are young guys who aren't that well thought of yet or haven't really come onto the scene as much as they will. So it's guys like Isaiah Roby, Malik Beasley, MPJ, Fultz, thinking, okay, what if Fultz comes back and he's, he was good before he got hurt. But then in a pack, I got an Anthony Davis moment. I got a $14 pack, right, of like some all-stars. Anthony Davis moment is going for 220, but I paid 14 for the pack. So Robbie, I don't understand it either. And I don't know if anyone's actually in this for any other reason, but to make money or if they actually sleep well at night because they have eight, eight videos in there on their computer. No, I, I, I get like, I get the market making money. I just, I don't understand the, the nitty gritty of why having these moments is different than watching it on YouTube. I think it's, this goes into like a area I don't know well enough, but I think it's the whole blockchain concept that there's only one serial number of these moments and no one else can own this moment. I also think it's like 
this futuristic thought that maybe 15 years down the road, rather than an art show in the city, you're at, you're literally at this guy's NFT show, the non-fungible tokens. And he has the Edwards dunk against Toronto and he has the Kyrie step back to your point. Like, can't you just watch on YouTube? Yeah. But I guess the only reason these have values because people have deemed that they have value. I don't know why though. I don't, I'm not in this because I'm not sleeping well because I have a Devin Booker step back. But if it's worth money, then I'm pumped. Granted, I bought it at 125 and it's worth bought it at 195 and it's worth 70 now. So that was a good investment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Whatever. I was over at your apartment when you were opening that Anthony Davis back, and you like you could definitely get the twinge of excitement. But I was saying all the same things you you were too, Robbie. And I guess it's oh, well, what I gathered. It's just like the evolution of collecting and collectibles. Yeah. Fair enough. But, I'll accept it. I'm more into Gabe's uh, trading cards, though. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I, I know my old binders with this friggin' pop in the, uh, the trading card industry. You should, go, you should go check out your old binders and see if you have any Jordans or Kobe's or things like that. Because I, I did that, and I didn't have shit, but, um, but it's fun to collect the cards. I, I will say it's, it brings me back. Yeah, none of my stuff right now, though, none of the I went through a baseball pack and it's all like PSA threes or fours, probably. They're not in mint shape, unfortunately. This the whole concept is ridiculous. I wanted to wrap up this on one more hoop question, considering we went hardcore the whole pod. I figure we should end it this way. If Robbie, you pose this question, no Kyrie, do you still like the Nets in the East? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, that's to so me, bold. <laughs> is it? Is it not really? But I mean, like it—it it sounds like it is, but it's not probably not. So, I mean, we've been watching what they've been doing without Durant. They've been dominating. He is their best player. Kyrie is their third best player. So, if Kyrie's out, I. <laughs> Sure, it clo- it closes the gap between them and, and Philly and Milwaukee and Boston and Miami, but I don't know, man. I'm not betting against Durant and Harden. Like, yeah, I, I just think, what Harden, think I think Kyrie's allowing Harden to play this way. I still would I would still take them in the East. I'd be concerned about the load on Harden based on what we've seen with him in the postseason. But this just I'm glad we got to this at the end because we'd be remiss if we didn't just talk about watching Kyrie play basketball. The stuff that he does, even if you find some of the off the court stuff frustrating or have any issues with him, <clears throat> the the way he's playing at this size, this efficient, when he opens up these games and is just hitting shot after shot, his layup package, I can mean I mean, if you don't enjoy watching him, I'm at a loss. And I feel like a lot of us may not appreciate it because we're frustrated with some of his antics, but he's a joke. How to get it. that in there. You said it. <laughs> How to get that in on Kyrie. All right. Well, and Gabe, unless you had anything, I think we, uh, I think we've hit the three hour mark and I think, uh, <laughs> I think at 1135 PM Eastern time, we've talked all the hoops that we can. Yes, sir. Damn, All it's right. only it's only yeah. 8 8.30, 8.35 here, and I can't even watch any games. Fuck the All-Star break. I know. We have two games tomorrow that I'm ready for. But thank you guys for joining. This was awesome. This was uh, everything that I anticipated. And uh, I hope everyone enjoys the first edition of the Hoop Heads coming on Spilling Buckets. Thank you.